4: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: This is v Sin Tonight with veteran handicappers Matt Humans and Wes Reynolds on v Sin, the sports betting network.
6: It's right, so College Hoops Friday night here on v tonight to show presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Matt Eumann's along with uh, my co-host for the next three hours, Will Hill, from his uh, sprawling estate in Connecticut tonight. Will, how are you doing? Uh, are you fired up for uh, another big college basketball weekend? Matt, what's
7: going on? I am these Saturdays. We've talked about it in the past, man. We're sitting here on a Friday night, not that late, and when there's only one game still in action, the imbalance of these games. What these Saturdays are fun. Before you know it, it's not going to be the regular season anymore. We're going to be doing conference tournaments, which is a whole animal unto itself, and leading into the NCAA tournament. So, kind of the dog days here. The last couple uh, weekends here with no regular with regular season hoops. This college basketball season is uh, is you know quickly coming to an end here.
6: Yeah, I like it a lot better. when I can come in here and say it's a football Friday night, and uh, that's not the case. But we, you and I both love college hoops. You're the defending champ in the Circuit College Hoops Challenge. you got a long way to go to repeat, uh, Will. Uh, I would say you've gone from the uh, penthouse to the outhouse so far. We're going to throw up to standings here through three weeks. We've got a long way to go. We're 15 picks into a 40-pick contest here. Uh, so there's plenty of time to make up ground Will, you and I both unhappy with our slow starts here. we got to try to get this turned around on Saturday. The College Hoops Challenge, we use DraftKings lines for the first four regular season weeks. DraftKings does a really good job of putting up the openers early on Friday afternoon, pretty much uh, setting the market for the most part in College Hoops before you start to see other books put up the numbers. We've got five plays on the Saturday schedule, sides and totals, full game sides and totals. And uh, no best bet designated for this contest. We are going to have a tiebreaker when we get to uh, the first week of the NCAA tournament. Each contestant is going to pick his final four teams after we see the bracket. You get one point per correct team and your eventual national champ. You get three points if you, if you uh, pick that correctly. That's going to be the tiebreaker in this contest. Greg Hoops-Peterson of Sin and David Deneen, former college hoops player at Cal Poly who lives in Reno. Those guys are your co-leaders right now through three weeks at 11-4 against the spread. Vsin.com managing editor Adam Burke at 8-7 along with Chicago professional handicapper Jim Root. Those guys tied for third. Bobby Buckets Brubeck, professional better from Austin, Texas in fifth at 7-8. Chris Massero, pro better from San Diego at 5-9-1. Aaron Moore and Tim Murray of v Sin tied along with Las Vegas radio host and handicapper Ken Thompson at 5 and 10. And Will Hill, there you are at 4 and 11. You got off to a hot start last year. I know your season's been a lot like mine. It's a roller coaster. Last Saturday, you and I were terrible. Uh, oh. Sunday, we both had really good days. But, hey, Sunday doesn't count in this contest. Oh.
7: Yeah, we were just talking before the show started. Then it's it's hard to put uh to my put my finger on why we're Saturday I just have a horrible day. Then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday run off seven or eight in a row, all in the air. Feel good about it. Thursday night didn't win a game when I think went zero three last night. Zero and two, zero three with my pre flop stuff. So. Not sure what the explanation is. It, it's, uh, I mean, there's there's some variance in this stuff. I feel like I probably shouldn't be four and eleven. I should be closer to like, I don't know, six and nine, seven and eight. Michigan last week, Saint John's a couple weeks ago, getting I think seven and a half was up fifteen. There's a couple that haven't gone my way, but still hasn't been good. But like you said, a little, uh, but you know, I've gone
6: from uh, from Cy Young to Cy as the saying goes. <laughs> yeah, I had Michigan last week too. That was a tough one to take. But in games in college basketball, it can be chaos. You can be crazy, can give you a headache when it's all over, and that's the way uh, Saturday, last Saturday worked out as a whole in this contest, including the two auxiliary contestants, Wes Reynolds and myself. The worst week we've ever had in a contest, 20 and 40 against the spread last Saturday. It wasn't just you, Will. It was uh, was me and others who had a a horrible uh, week three Saturday, and we're going to try to bounce back here in week four. They're Let me way, ask you, what uh-huh. what do
7: you think it is? Like, you're, like know. what what do you think? Do you have any idea? No, you're not I sure. don't like
6: to make excuses. When when you try to uh, reason, you know, why it happened, it sounds like you're an excuse maker. I right. don't like to make excuses. True. Yeah, uh, yeah.
7: No, no, I just I think it's important sometimes. It's better to self scout and to just try to uh, try try to find where it goes wrong. Is it is it bad luck? Is it bad handicapping? It's usually a combination of both. But I agree with you.
6: Yeah, it is. That's how I say the same thing. Bad luck, bad handicapping, and a combination of the two. And You know, if you do this every day, and we've been betting college hoops from early November, you have some great days and you have some uh, horrendous days, and that's just the way it's going to be. Now, Unfortunately, on Saturdays, with the biggest schedule, I haven't been that good all season. It's not just in this contest. I've had my best days usually like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, uh, but not Saturdays. And you know, Wes, or uh, Will, how you do. When you uh, whittle down your picks, I always have a list. Like this week I had a list of uh, 12 plays I was considering for the final five. Last week I threw out some winners and used some losers. And that's just the way it is when you narrow down your plays. You know what's uh, interesting about it? I went back and looked at the last three seasons in the NFL. All right? And um, you give out five plays a week or you put five plays a week in on these contests. The last three seasons in the NFL where you're talking about roughly, you know, 54 weeks I've had only two 0-5 weeks out of 54. Didn't have any this season. I've had two 0-5 weeks in this contest in the last five weeks. So I don't know how you, I don't know how you reason that. Just uh, It's a little bit random and uh, just bad luck, I think. And uh, that's, how, that's how you have to look at it. I, I don't like to make excuses, but like you, Sue, I, I do do a lot of self-scouting, too, because when yeah. things go wrong, you have to look at why did things go wrong. But when you talk about it on the air, it sounds like you're making excuses, sure. and I don't want to do that, too. So uh, on the show tonight, we have David Denine, one of the co-leaders. He's going to be on in the first hour. Hour number two, Tim Murray of v and In the final hour, Wes Reynolds uh, with his best bets. In the contest hour, we get all the plays from the 11 contestants. Yes, we have 11, not 12 this week. We have one contestant who did not report his picks and blew the deadline by about an hour. Uh, so, one contestant is going to go 0-0 o o this week. I'm not going to tell you who it is right now, but we'll get to that later. Uh, Will, let's talk about the consensus plays in this contest. They have not gone well the last two weeks. We've been, uh, we've, we've been on a popular side going against one of the top five teams in college basketball. Two weeks ago, our consensus play with eight contestants on Colorado against Arizona. Buffalo's got blown out at home, lost by 20. That was a bad game for the contest. I think 1-8, Greg Hoops-Peterson, only one on Arizona. Last week we had seven contestants on Marquette, none on UConn, and UConn blew out Marquette by 28. So that's 0-7 for the contest. Guess what it is this week, Will? What do you think the consensus play is? We're going against, again, one of the top five teams in college hoops.
7: Who's Cal Poly playing tomorrow? No, let me see, uh, is it it Baylor-Houston? Because I know I'm on that one. I get a a feeling you're on that one, too. Is that the one?
6: Yeah, Wes and I talked about this game last night, and I said if I can get three, I'm definitely going to be on Baylor, but I don't think I'll get three. It's going to be two or two-and-a-half. It came out two-and-a-half, and and I took Baylor. I noticed at least four other handicappers also on Baylor. I have not seen all the picks yet tonight, but I think Baylor is going to be the number one consensus consensus play this week. Why do you like the Bears here as – Short home dogs against Houston. I think it's a decent matchup for them. Houston likes to play
7: that no middle defense, but they'll give you some jump shots. Baylor can shoot the ball. Houston has become a little overvalued here, or just they're not as well as they're playing. And, you know, there are a lot of people's pick maybe right behind UConn as like a second favorite to win it all. They haven't been covering. They haven't been playing well on the road, and I still feel like them. Their flaw, first of all, they don't shoot free throws well, and they're very referee dependent. Where they're so physical, and you can almost—it's almost like calling holding in the NFL, where you can call it every play or not call it every play. Uh, I just—I don't know if they're going to get that same whistle on the road. Uh, I think this is a good spot for Baylor. Again, you get Houston out of their building. It's like a a 99% of these teams in college basketball. They're not the same team. So, decent spot for Baylor, decent matchup for Baylor. That's why I took the two-and-a-half here.
6: Well, one of the uh, winners I had in this contest was uh, a couple weeks ago taking Kansas as a home dog to Houston. And I I, I actually made Kansas a small favorite in that game. We were catching a couple points. And uh, Jayhawks win pretty much wire to wire in that game. It was a rocking chair. Didn't have to sweat that one out. This number – and the Houston number in the Kansas game has a lot to do with the Ken Pomeroy analytics site, KenPOM.com, where Houston's the number one team in college basketball. Uh, I also think this Houston team's a little bit overvalued, and I'm, I'm okay here with betting against the Cougars on the road, especially a Baylor team that's a top 15 team in college basketball. I like to bet on good teams that are home dogs, and Baylor fits the bill here. How about this, Will? KenPOM.com. Baylor is the number four team in college basketball in offensive efficiency. Houston is the number one team in defensive efficiency. Uh, so we've got a strength-for-strength strength matchup with the Baylor offense. And uh, I like the Bears. I think they win the game.
7: Yeah, should be a hell of a game. It uh, should, should, should be a lot of fun. Again, Houston's going to let you shoot the ball. They want to mm-hmm. keep you out of the middle, keep you out of the paint. They're going to let B- Baylor shoot. And Baylor can knock down some shots here. Baylor coming off a loss against BYU. I think we were both on BYU yep. on a Tuesday night. It's a shame we couldn't get this contest moved to Tuesday this week. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I like Baylor here. And uh, yeah, I feel like the bigger the game, the more prevalent that home court is. The louder the crowd's going to be. Things like that. Yeah, you get the 50-50 call. So hopefully, it's a it's a good day here for the consensus. We're due for one. I I hope.
6: Well, uh yeah, I guess we're due. You don't like to bet on the due factor, but hopefully it comes through in this case. There was a game on your card that I wanted to play. I was hoping UConn was going to open a 10, 10.5-point favorite, and uh, it actually was 12.5 when I was sending in picks, so I, I passed on it, but you did play UConn against Villanova, and I think uh, the Huskies are going to win this one big.
7: Yep, I feel I agree with everything you said. I feel like I'm paying a little bit of a tax, but we can get into the matchup on the other side or whatever. I just feel like it's a bounce back for UConn. They're home where they've killed everybody. Nova can't really shoot. Good matchup for UConn. I think they roll.
6: I do, too. Didn't use it in the contest, but I am going to bet it. And uh, we'll talk about that game more, like you said, later in the show. David Deneen Tim Murray, and Wes Reynolds are the guests tonight. When we come back, we're actually going to talk a little baseball. Will Hill loves his Yankees, loves MLB betting. And uh, we're going to talk Dodgers and baseball betting. On the other side here, stick around v Send Tonight the Sports Betting Network.
0: Attention, all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye.
5: This is v Tonight with Matt Humans and Wes Reynolds on v the
7: Sports Betting Network.
6: If you have not done it already, check out all the content we've got up on the new look vcin.com. We've got UFC previews for the weekend. We're going to have plenty of college hoops content up there. JVT's writing... NBA picks columns on a daily basis. A lot of good stuff up there on vcin.com. Check it out now. We're also going to have the uh, plays and the standings up there from the Circuit College Hoops Challenge. You go to vcin.com slash challenge to find all the info on in the contest. And hopefully, we have a lot more winners in the contest this week because last Saturday was a debacle and uh, not proud of it. We need to uh, bounce back. Will, let's talk some baseball betting. Spring training is underway. You're a big-time baseball guy. You and I are both Yankees fans, and it's been a long dry spell for the Yankees. But let's talk Dodgers, first of all, because uh, I thought the Dodgers were the best team in baseball in August and September. Well, it counts in October, and they got Clayton Kershaw got bombed in the playoff opener, and the Dodgers got swept out by the D-backs. They finished last season with 100 wins, 162 with that strong finish. How about the Dodgers' win total for this season when you're looking at around 104 and a half. And the Westgate Superbook put up this prop. Will the Dodgers have the most wins in baseball this season? The yes plus 150. How good do you think this Dodgers team's going to prove to be?
7: They're going to be loaded again. I mean, they're just going to bludgeon these teams in the regular season. You mentioned we're both Yankee fans. The Yankees had teams like this in the mid two thousands. Remember the Arod, Sheffield, Matsui, those offensive juggernauts, some of those teams like the O fourteen that lost to the Red Sox. Some of those teams, they would just kill bad pitching when you have really good um, you know, a, a, a lineup like this, you're built for the regular season because you just beat up on these fourth and fifth starters. You beat up on the back end of these bull, or, or the you know, the underbelly of these bullpens. Uh, so they're going to they're going to kill people. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised. Look at 103 and a half, 104 and a half. If you're betting the over, you don't have much wiggle room. Uh, but I'd play over before I played under. I could see him getting 105, 106. As far as winning the World Series, I mean, baseball has created a format now. Where to sit here in February and decide and talk about who's going to win the World Series. Is basically impossible because there's it's so random. They put half the teams in. It's almost like they've, they've turned the Major League Baseball playoffs into March Madness where, I mean, it's just who, who's hot. It's such a small sample size. It's so many teams get in. I, I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen in October, uh, seven, eight months from now. But they're going to get their 104, 105 wins, like I said. I bet over before I bet under. How about you? If you had to take over or under,
6: where, which way would you go? Uh, I would have to bet over. Imagine how yeah. good this team could be if Shohei Otani could pitch this season. Oh. And uh, he's obviously not going to pitch after uh, blowing out his elbow. But Dodgers right now at DraftKings and Circus Sports, plus 350 at 7-2 to odds to win the World Series. There's no way I could bet that. you are not that taking was. plus 350 at this point. And uh, if you look at last season when the Dodgers won 100 games, the Braves won 104 and the Orioles won 101. I, wa- I want to give you credit. A couple years ago, you said the Baltimore Orioles, you were ahead of the curve. You said that team was on the rise. How good do you think the Braves and the Orioles are going to be this season? If you're betting the Dodgers a plus 150 to have the most wins in MLB, what about those other two teams and who else is a threat?
7: I mean, Braves are in the same category as the Dodgers, where they've had a couple postseason disappointments in a row. Now this is twice in a year where the Phillies, team in their own division, took care of them. Very similar to the Dodgers, who two years in a row lost to a team in their own division in uh, in quick fashion. Uh, not, not only an upset, but they got beat rather quickly. Look, the Braves are going to win a bunch of games with, uh, you know, with Strider, with Freed, with that lineup. They're built for the regular season too. They're going to have questions to answer come the playoffs. But I mean, I would expect them to be north of 100. That's a good division, but still, they're really good. The the Orioles. I don't know, they, they get Burns, but they lost Bradish, who was good for them last year. John Means is hurt. So they're already down a couple of pitchers. Uh, th- there's so much young, everyday talent that they're going to be uh, you know, in the mix here. I, I don't know. You can't pen someone to win the division because the Yankees, if they stay healthy with Judge, with Soto, Cole at the top of the rotation, I mean, that's the, the Jays aren't a bad team. The Rays are always a thorn in everybody's side. So, um, look, I, I don't know that Baltimore duplicates that 100, 101 wins. The Braves are much more likely to duplicate that 100 wins or so. Do you, you, you agree with that for the most part?
6: Yeah, I do. Uh, I do agree with that. I think the Braves are the one team that's a threat. Uh, you know, the Astros could be pretty good as well, obviously. Yes. But uh, I think the Braves are the biggest threat to the Dodgers if you're going to bet that prop a plus 150 for L.A. to have the most wins in baseball. So when you're about, if you're thinking about making a bet like this, you always have to think, okay, what could go wrong? Uh, so if you look at the Dodgers, that lineup is loaded. Obviously, I don't think the offense is going to be an issue. Do you think the starting rotation has a potential weakness or the bullpen? What could go wrong if the Dodgers uh, failed to meet expectations? Oh, it's the pitching.
7: They've lost these pitchers like crazy. Bueller's always hurt. May's always hurt. Urias, everything with hat, with, with the domestic situation. Who knows if he's ever going to pitch again? I don't think he will. Uh, Kershaw, even if he pitches, he's uh, a shell of his former self. They get Glasnow back. Glasgow's got good stuff, but Glasnow's hurt all the time, too. Yamamoto, mm-hmm. we haven't seen pitch in the big leagues. So they've got... They've got like six or seven guys that they're trying to plug for three or four spots and they're just hope they're all, at the, they're healthy at the right time. Even Paxton, Paxton's really good. He's always hurt, So um, it's loaded with peril in terms of, Hey, you're going to tell me the Dodgers didn't win. I could certainly see a path where they didn't win it uh, come playoff time. Again, that, that lineup is is regular season proof. They're just they're going to kill team. I mean, they're going to play Colorado a bunch of times. You know, Arizona doesn't have the pitching to beat them during the regular season. They're better than the Giants. Again, they're they're going to beat up on teams in the regular season. They're built for the regular season. As far as winning in the playoffs, they got to keep three or four of these pitchers healthy. They've got the guys if they're healthy. It's just a matter of keeping them healthy.
6: Yeah, and actually uh Clayton Kershaw is not going to be healthy. It looks like until what July? Is that what you're hearing? From yeah, what I was July, reading, it looks August, like it's going to be around the exactly. All Star Breaker later, right? right? Yeah.
7: And he's not. I mean, he's he's had his when when he was in his prime, he had his issues in the playoffs. I mean, he got buried last year against Arizona. Maybe it's better for him. Hey, just leave him on the shelf till August, September. Maybe you can get, um, you know, five good innings out of him come the playoffs. But again, if he if you're really counting on him come playoff time, I uh, feel like something went wrong.
6: Well, I'm not sure if they have enough left-handers in the rotation, but uh, Kershaw's situation, I think you'd probably just say, hey, try to come back in August. Maybe we can use you if you're strong in October. Who knows? Anyway, that's not a guy you're counting on at this point. would be Clayton Kershaw, but it's um, a bullet you've got in your gun in case you need it later in the season. How about Blake Snell talking about a lefty starter who can help a team? Uh, I'm reading the New York Post this week, and at one point it says the Yankees are out. Blake Snell's not an option anymore. Then a couple days later, the doors cracked open. But the Yankees and Blake Snell seem to be far apart on the money. Where do you think Snell's going to end up? Talking about a pitcher who can make an impact and who's still out there.
7: Yeah, how crazy is this? Two-time Cy Young winner. We're sitting here. We're already playing spring training games, and he's not signed. He's basically like in his prime right about there. Very strange. I would guess the Giants – uh, I don't think the Yankees will do it. I, they're very conscious of this luxury tax. I mean, they don't make enough money. God, God knows. So I don't think they're going to go into the luxury tax form, him. Um, as crazy as that is, uh, he's a five-inning pitcher. I just don't think they're going to go down that road. The Giants make sense. The Giants have been in you know, close but no cigar with a lot of these guys, whether it's Otani, whether it's... Who was it? Um, Judge a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. It was Correa that didn't that fell through. Right, they're a bigger market. They've got money to spend. They need to keep up with the Dodgers. Hell, the Diamondbacks in their own division went to a World Series. Um, if you put Snell and you put Webb at the top of a rotation and you got in the playoffs, you could at least make things uncomfortable for other teams. So they're not really a factor. I don't think is currently constituted. If you got Snell. Maybe that changes things. So, um, again, very strange he hasn't signed. I guess
6: I'll, I'll like, it's just a guess, but
7: I'll guess Giants here. Do you have any feel one way or the other in terms of where he's
6: going? I think that's a pretty good guess, actually, because the Giants have uh, they got a lot of money to burn, right? They've whiffed right. on a lot of these uh, big-ticket uh, free agents that they chased after. I really thought Otani was the guy they would go after uh, the most, but Otani wanted to stay in L.A. He had comparable offers everywhere, so... Uh, I think Snell with the Giants probably makes a lot of sense. I'd like to see it with the Yankees. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, all right, so you're, you're on various v shows throughout the week, and you've been talking baseball. Have you put out any futures plays yet, win totals, or anything else? Uh, the, the Mets losing Senga for
7: the Mets to me, they're an underplay. I think they so 82 and a half, 81 and a half shop around some of these books. It's interesting with all the basketball props to put up, you know, player props, college basketball, sometimes the news like, Hey, Senga going to be out. He's going to miss opening day. He can fly under the radar and they can be low, uh, slow to the punch to, uh, to update the number. Their whole thing with their pitching is Sanga's really good and they got to piece the rest together. If they don't have Sanga, they have no pitching. I-, I like the everyday lineup. Lindor, Alonzo, Nimmo, Alvarez is going to be a big time player. That's a good everyday lineup. They just don't have any starting pitching. I mean, you go Jose Quintana and Adrian Hauser, Joey Lucchesi. They're going to try to get something out of Severino. I mean, that's just, that is not big time major league pitching. And you're going to still have to play the Braves and the Phillies 28 times combined. Good luck with that. Yeah. The Marlins aren't that bad. The Nationals gave them a hard time last year. Um, I, I, again, I like the everyday team. I just I don't know. Going 500 seems very ambitious. Going over 500, it's just that's
6: really really shaky starting pitching. Uh, you're right about that. Think about the hype surrounding the Mets last year at this time compared to now. Wow, a uh, big major drop off. By the way, ESPN's Jeff Passan put out a story about couple hours ago, said so the Yankees and the Angels are the teams that makes most likely to sign Blake Snell. I just don't think you're buying the Yankees, are you?
7: I mean, I'd love to be wrong. I just I, I don't get the sense they ever are, you know, they don't have this aggressiveness to them. And everyone gives them credit for getting Soto. They needed Soto. They
6: still really haven't spent any money. The only money they spent this winter was Strowman. That's right. All right, Will Hill, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to start firing the college basketball players here in the Circuit College Hoops Challenge. David Deneen of Reno, former college hoops player, joins the show in a few minutes. Stay tuned, the Sports Betting Network.
5: This is VSIN Tonight with Matt Humans and Wes Reynolds on VSIN, the
6: Sports Betting Network. Alright, if you're looking for a betting edge on college basketball, hopefully the vCin experts have got you covered this week. Become a vCIN Pro subscriber today. Get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, upcoming College Hoops Betting Guide with bracket breakdowns in March. Plus, you get full access to com Betting splits, updated with DraftKings Odds every five minutes, vCN.com slash pro. Subscribe today, V slash pro. David Denine joins the show now. Former Cal Poly three-point specialist, sharpshooter, co-leader in the Circuit College Hoops Challenge, 11-4 and against the spread. He's on the phone from Reno tonight. David, thanks for jumping on. Congrats on the hot start here, winning 11 of your first 15 plays in College Hoops. How has your season gone in general up to this point? Because I know you, and you've been betting College Hoops basically every night for four months.
5: I have, and I'm not blind on how this works, Matt. I um. You know, November, I've, I've been exchanging picks with you for probably 15 years now. And I think the picks I sent you in November and December went about 6 and 16. So I don't lie. You know, I had a rough start. <laughs> but but I'm hoping to make a late-night comeback here.
6: Well, you're off to a good start yeah. at 11 and 4. I do want to ask you about your handicapping approach, being a uh, former uh, college hoops player at Cal Poly who's got a lot of connections with uh, college coaches. Do you use kenpom.com and are you in analytics as much or more situational spots and information for you?
5: Yeah, just strictly information that I can try to get. You know, I never talk to coaches about point spreads or anything like that, but I, I take travel into account, uh, revenge games. You know, I know the players are the players, but I, I really dig into the coaches. I'm, I'm more, you know, who's, who's at certain colleges and where they are with their programs.
6: All right, Will Hill's gonna fire a uh, Will Hill's gonna fire a game at you. Six fifty-six on the rotation, uh, the first of your five plays this week.
7: Yeah, David, let's get into the games here. TCU, Cincinnati, an old conference USA game. T- TCU coming off a one-point loss in Lubbock. They're laying four and a half. Uh, where are you at with this game?
5: Yeah, how you doing, Will? Um, so I, you know, I'm laying the, the four and a half. I, I'm hoping TCU. You know, they they lost a real tough one the other night. Everybody remembers uh, probably Jamie Dixon, the TCU coach, from more of his, his Pittsburgh days. He won a ton of games at Pitt, and then Pitt tried to upgrade and, and hire Kevin Stallings over him, and that worked out horribly for the University of Pittsburgh. So uh, the first time these teams played and went to overtime, uh, Cincinnati won by about four about a month ago. So I'm hoping that TCU, after that loss, just is really – pissed and locked in here and, and just says, you know what, we're winning this game no matter what. So um, I know it's four and a half, but it's it just lines up for me that they should come in with a bad taste in their mouth. They lost at, at Cincinnati in overtime, so I'm thinking TCU minus four and a half. All
6: right, let's go to the Big West, Dave, and uh, we're going to talk UC Irvine here against UC San Diego, and it's very surprising to see the Tritons up near the top of the standings in this conference. Irvine, 13-2. and You see San Diego, 12-3. and These teams played just over a month ago, and Irvine got the win by double digits. How about the rematch in San Diego? And uh, I believe you're on the dog here.
5: Yeah, I'm still hanging on that the the Big West goes through Irvine here. Russell Turner, the head coach at Irvine, it's hard to believe that he's been there for 14 years already. Uh, I just think they have a little bit more depth in the front court, meaning – like great for UCSD to get where they have gotten. I mean, if you guys saw how many people applied to that school, it's like sixty thousand students a year, and only about twelve percent get in. So I don't even know how they're getting players at UCSD, but they are. But I think in the in the long run, I think Irvine can get them again, just because it, people will ask, like, well, what's the difference between these teams? Like Irvine's backup three-man, right? He's going to be closer to six seven, two fifteen. 215, where UC San Diego's three-man might be, you know, 6'5", 190. So I think that's where Irvine has the advantage. These teams might or probably might play again for the Big West Championship out there at the Dollar Loan Center, Center out in Henderson. But for this one, it's a 1, 1 p.m. tip. UC, the UCSD students will
7: be studying. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Irvine here. Okay. David, yep. a game I almost pulled the trigger on. It's not in my contest place. I'll probably end up betting it. UNLV laying a point against Colorado State. We know how important home court has been in the Mountain West. Where are you here with uh, with, with the Rebels against Colorado State tomorrow night?
5: Yeah, you know, I, wor- I worked at UNLV for 15 years. And, Matt, you'll be able to remember this game. Kevin Krueger was a was a great player at, at UNLV back in 2007. He was arguably one of the first grad transfers and. Matt, you were probably covering the Rebels for the for the RJ. Remember in 2007 when they beat Wisconsin and Bo Ryan, the Wisconsin coach, pretty much said, "I can't believe we lost to a 24-year-old graduate student."
6: Sure, yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. He, he was he was pit. I mean, Bo Ryan was mad that that Kevin Kruger was even eligible, and now you have guys that are playing in their seventh and eighth years, which is a whole different converse, uh, you know conversation. But uh, Colorado State, they're going through it right now. They're in the meat grinder, guys. I mean. Utah State, and then they lost to New Mexico. Now they got to go to UNLV, and they got Nevada after that. So kind of a sandwich spot. UNLV uh, blitzed Air Force a couple of nights ago, and I'm kind of thinking that UNLV like got some momentum in that game. Sometimes when you beat Air Force, you're like, thank God we got that one off our plate. Now let's just come home and ball. Let's hoop. And um, they match up well. I know Stevenson is a stud for Colorado State, but UNLV here – um, let's hope for a little magic there in the Thomas and Mac, and uh, they pull off a victory.
6: Yeah, I'm with you on this with uh, UNLV, by the way. That was a tough uh, loss for the Rams at the pit a couple nights ago against uh, New Mexico. That was a, a game they actually uh, trailed 15-3 to out of the gate and came back and took the lead before the half. Uh, but I watched the first game between these teams, Dave, and I actually thought uh, Colorado State really struggled with uh, UNLV being the more athletic team. And the Rebels probably should have won that game in Fort Collins. Uh, Colorado State made a big comeback to win it 78-75 that night. Uh, They were down seven at the half. And uh, I thought UNLV matches up well, let's put it that way, because uh, they got better athletes. Isaiah Stevens is you watch a lot of Mountain West basketball. I think Isaiah Stevens, point guard for Colorado State, might be the best player in the conference. What do you think?
5: Yeah, I mean, great for him for staying there. I don't know what they're paying him in NIL money, but – I mean, a lot of guys jump ship and then, you know, want to go play in the ACC or something, and sometimes that doesn't work out. But I mean, he's a stud. I mean, he's he's hit that shot to beat UNLV a couple years ago at Half Court. He can go out and get himself a shot whenever he wants. Um, but like you said, Matt, UNLV does have the perimeter defenders to at least contest what he's trying to do. He's got a first move, and then he's got a counter, and then he's got another counter to that. But UNLV's got some guys with some length who will at least be able to contest everything that he's trying to get.
6: 764 in rotation. That's uh, 5 p.m. Pacific. UNLV minus one over Colorado State. That's another popular play in the contest. Tonight, David Denine with us. David, I do remember vividly uh, Bo Ryan whining after uh, UNLV beat Wisconsin to reach the Sweet 16. But Bo Ryan, that's what he did. He whined after uh, he would lose important games and – uh, Kevin Kruger was a grad transfer from Arizona State. How do you think the NIL situation, all these transfers, impacts college basketball now?
5: Uh, you know, I, I've got a theory that, you know, maybe in 30 years, Matt, when me and you have a, a swollen prostate gland, we're going to look back and go <laughs> oh, like, we're going to go, uh, you know, what were those people thinking 30 years ago? Uh, this could end badly. And, and from what I've heard is once these schools stop making money off these players, like if, if, if this thing just dries up and they're not making money, and, and like Eric Musselman at Arkansas, his roster is costing him 1.4 million this year. And that team is, they're not happy, but he, he's shown out that much money for his roster. And I just think the, my theory is there's guys that are 22 years old, they're making 120,000 right now if they don't make the pro or can't play overseas and they get their degree in general studies and want to go be a teacher, you know, in Clark County, the starting teacher is going to make $38,000 a year. There's a very good chance that some of these guys are making the most that they'll ever make in their life.
6: Yeah, it's definitely a different game. There's no doubt about it. I'm not going to say it's a better game. I'm not against players making money either. I just think uh, there's got to be some sort of regulatory control in college basketball and college football. You don't really have that right now. And you do have guys playing, it seems like, seven and eight seasons Uh, right now because of the uh, extra COVID year. It's just an odd time in college hoops. The first three plays for David Denine: TCU minus four and a half, UC Irvine plus one and a half, and UNLV minus one. We're going to get to your other two plays on the other side. Dave, for those who don't remember your uh, college career at Cal Poly, what kind of player were you? I said a three-point specialist.
5: Yeah, I mean, I was a J.C. flunky. I had to go to junior college for two years, Santa Rosa Junior College. It was about an hour north of San Francisco. And then I walked on at Cal Poly slow. Uh, we went division one my senior year and just got thumped. Uh, they're bad now. We were bad 30 years ago. At, we can talk about that. It's my last play, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I would try like a lot of kids, but I didn't have much size. Um, yep.
6: I don't know. Well, as Ken Thompson said, he watched yeah. you uh, and when you guys were shooting around one day, watched you make 43 out of 44 three pointers. So you could shoot it. We're going to take a quick break. We come back with more with uh, David Deneen, his final two plays here in the Circa College Hoops Challenge.
0: Attention, all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me, once again, is the one and only Jeff Dye.
5: This is VSIN tonight with Matt Humans and Wes Reynolds on VSIN,
6: the sports betting network. Right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, new players can deposit $5 to get a no sweat bet, up to 1,000 of bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app and use promo code VSIN when you sign up. Official sports betting partner of the NBA DraftKings, promo code VSIN. Back here, Will Hill, my co host tonight. The Circuit College Hoops Challenge Show. David Deneen the co-leader with Greg Hoops Peterson. Denine, a former player at Cal Poly and uh, sports better in Reno. And uh, David, your buddy Ken Thompson, who said he witnessed you make 43 of 44 threes one day when you guys were shooting around. He said you made the first three-pointer in Cal Poly history in 1993. Is that right?
5: I made the first three-pointer in Cal Poly Division, I history Division One history at Boston College yeah. in, in 1994 Boston College, and then Boston College went on a 26 to four run.
6: <laughs> Lost the game they by about beat, 40 or what?
5: Yeah, yeah, they had just beat North Carolina the year before to go to the Final Eight. They had Curly, Chris Heron, and uh, man, their front Donnie Abrams, their their front line was huge. You know, when when teams used to th- play three bigs. Man, they were huge. You know, 6'10", 240, 6'9", 240. And they just pounded inside. No chance.
6: All right. Well, let's get back to your plays here in the contest then. And uh, Will Hill's going to fire a couple questions after we get your last two plays. I'm going to go to 789 on the rotation. You love the Big West. Cal State Northridge, Cal State Fullerton. And uh, when you sent your plays in here, we used DraftKings numbers between uh, 3 and 7 p.m. tonight. Uh, Northridge was plus one and it looks like uh, right now you could get plus two and a half at the Westgate Superbook one and a half or two at other spots but you like Northridge as a dog at Fullerton
5: yeah it's, it's a play on the, the Northridge's head coach his name's Andy Newman um, I know Andy uh, he was a good player too um, you know he's been through it these guys that have been through it like he was a JC coach, and then a division two head coach, and then a, a division one assistant. He's hungry. He brought some guys into, uh, to Northridge. You can get players in the school there. It's a commuter school and they beat him the first time. I just think this, this game's going to mean more to, to uh, CSUN Cal state Northridge. They've lost a couple in a row and they should, you know, they, they barely lost to Davis at home the other night. I, I just, it's a short drive down the four Oh five into orange County. And uh, not that Fullerton, the guy there does a good job, Taylor, Coach Taylor, but uh, maybe a little bit more important here to Northridge.
6: Northridge plus one for the contest. You can get a better number out there. Like I said, the Westgate plus two and a half if you like that play, 789. Uh, one more, David Deneen for you, and that's 805 UC Riverside, minus seven at your alma mater, Cal Poly, and uh, there's seven and a half showing up on the screen now.
5: Yeah, I just don't know where to go here with Cal Poly. I mean, they haven't won a Big West game. And it's not, you know, they lost by 18 at Fullerton the other night. Now, it, people will say, well, this is one they can get. Well, Riverside's thinking the same thing. I, I you know, people always say, like, why does, your, why does Cal Poly always, always suck? And I, I tell them, you know, the average GPA to get into that school is a 4.28. And it's hard to find, and it's an engineering school, so it's hard to find guys who are six foot eight who want to be architectural engineers and who and who who can hoop. (laughs) (laughs) And if they're any good, they'll go to Stanford or Ivy League or Northwestern or something. So the guy at at Riverside is pretty unique. Um, He's one of the few Asian coaches, um, if not the only one at the Division One level. You know, and and Riverside isn't an easy job either. I mean, sixty miles east of LA, you kind of have to hunt and peck to try to find players but they've shown that they can beat teams. They beat Irvine. Um, they just have more. I, I know this sounds simple. They just have, they have better players than Cal Poly right now. And, um, I was hoping for a six and a half, but I guess I got to lay the seven. Cause you know, I, I love this. I love the rules of this, of this contest. It's fair. Everybody has to play the same, um, line. So I'm going to lay it. I just, I don't, I don't know how Cal Poly scores guys. I don't know how, um, they score it should be a meaningless game. And you know, hopefully Riverside wins by 10 here.
7: David, there's like 150 games on a college basketball Saturday. Okay. We all go through it where we pick out the games we like and we pare down our list. What are some of the games that just missed the cut?
5: Yeah, I'll just throw out one. Well, um, 7, 13, 7, 14, uh, Cal Baptist at Tarleton under one thirty four and a half. and a half, um, Cal Baptist at Tarleton state, under 134 and a half, Cal Baps, the point guard, you know, uh, Daniels is still out. He's probably going to be out the rest of the year. And people go, well, it's just one player, next man up. Let me tell you guys, there, there ain't nobody next man up. He was their best player. He, he would have been the the whack player of the year if he would have been healthy. He was averaging 20 a clip. He was out of San Bernardino Valley Junior College. And um, Tarleton just has guys that can contest all of um, Cal Baps's stuff underneath the basket so billy gillespie always gets guys that can defend the perimeter and kind of alter shots so I, I don't know how this thing gets over 134 and a half so that's one that missed well and that's kind of yeah that's about it
7: how about a big picture question here uconn with a dominant win against marquette followed by purdue losing i think the narrative last week last weekend was hey uconn's the best team They're maybe the best team by a significant margin then they lose to creighton where are you at here in terms of Who's the best team, the favorite to win it all? I, I
5: still say, you know, I mean, I, I follow everybody's picks. And, and you guys were on Marquette plus seven. And I said, yeah, hey, why not? I, I liked it, right? I would have bet it. But the one difference between UConn and the rest of the teams, that's something that's not really talked about, is their bigs can handle pressure. I don't know if you guys remember the national championship game like two years ago when Baylor played Gonzaga, that game was over within the first seven minutes because Baylor's bigs could just crawl into the Gonzaga bigs and they couldn't run their stuff. They couldn't get their slip screens. They couldn't get their curls because they, could, they couldn't get their offense going. Yukon's bigs can handle the ball. A lot of those bigs, they feel like a, they don't like handling it. That's not the case with Yukon. So, gun to my head, Will, I'll still say UConn is the team to beat with all
6: this. You know, I get asked a lot, Dave, is there a sleeper out there that you like in the tournament? And I always say, well, i got to see the bracket because I want to see some of the matchups. But Is there a team, you you know, St. Mary's on the West Coast, is there a team like that you like that's maybe a little bit under the radar?
5: Well, after last night, it should be Washington State, I guess. (laughs) No, I mean, Kyle Smith, I'd have to look at it, Matt, but, I mean, just to deviate a little bit, I mean, Washington State to go down there to Tucson and win that game. The guy that went off for Washington State was a Division II kickback from Sonoma State. I mean, it's nuts um, how they won that game. What was it? They were getting 13-and-a-half. But, you know, there's you guys talk about it every night. There's teams that are out there that can win four or five games. Uh, you know, it's a make-or-miss sport. All it takes is for one team to go three for 22 from the three-point line, and they lose.
6: Which is about what Alabama did last year against San Diego yeah. State. Three for 27 from three when the Aztecs upset Alabama in the tournament. David Deneen let's look at his plays uh, one more time. The five plays for the Circuit College Hoops Challenge. Again, he's a co-leader with Greg Hoops-Peterson at 11-4 and four against the spread after three weeks. TCU minus four and a half. UC Irvine plus one and a half. UNLV minus one. Cal State Northridge plus one. And UC Riverside minus seven. Dave, what's your confidence level going into week four here?
5: I would take two and three right now. (laughs) Oh, boy.
6: Okay.
5: I'll take two and three right now. I mean, every I gave you my picks last week, and within, like, 20 minutes, I said, Matt, I'm going one and four. I mean, we all go through it. People go, like, well, this stuff, you can beat it. No, man. I mean, this stuff is hard to beat. Every one of the guys you have on this show knows what they're talking about. I've had stinker weekends my whole life. Like, if you go in 5 yep. All right, I've done it. We've all done it. So, I mean, I I like a couple of these, but not all of them.
6: All right. On Twitter, at David underscore Deneen 775. And David, good luck this weekend. And uh, you didn't go one and four last week. You went four and one. You're 11 and four. So, great start for you in the contest. Have a great weekend, man.
5: All right, gentlemen. Thank you.
6: Will Hill, he mentioned Washington State. So, last night, uh, the Cougars' 13 point dogs at Arizona and uh, win that game 77-74 with the help of a four-point play uh, late. What do you make of the loss by Arizona? And uh, I know there are a lot of skeptics out there about the Wildcats in March, and they did get beat by Princeton in the first round a year ago. What do you think of the Wildcats in the big picture?
7: Yeah, I think Arizona and Kentucky, you can put both of them in the same bucket where – they could be out by dinner time on that first Thursday of the tournament, or they could be playing for the national championship on mon- that Monday night. I wouldn't be shocked with either. They just their highs are very high, their lows are very low, very confounding teams.
6: Yeah, I've uh, I've got a future on Arizona. I've got one on Conne- on uh, Kentucky too, and also Connecticut. But uh, yeah, you're right about that. Kentucky's got maybe seven guys who are going to play in the NBA, but they can look, there are nights where the Wildcats can look bad. Talking about Kentucky Wildcats and the Arizona team. Uh, what They blew out Colorado by 20 on the road two weeks ago Saturday night when we all like Colorado and then uh, get swept by Washington State. So you don't know what you're going to get with that team, which sometimes looks a little bit soft on the defensive end of the floor. But anyway, I still like what you said there. The ceiling is high for Kentucky and Arizona, but they could get knocked out in the first round. I like to see the bracket and the matchups before I make any bold predictions about that stuff. Selection Sunday is March 17th.